Well, last week we started a series on prayer entitled Talking with God. We tried to demystify prayer a bit and make it something so simple, even a child could do it. In fact, we said there's a lot of wisdom in looking at how children pray, like these prayers compiled in a book, Letters to God. Dear God, I think the stapler is one of your greatest inventions. Ruth, thumbs up, God. Or this one. Maybe Cain and Abel would not kill each other so much if they had their own rooms. It works with my brother. <laughs> I'm just saying, you might want to try it sometime, God. Or this one. Dear God, I do not think anybody could be a better God. Well, I just want you to know, but I am not just saying that because you are God. <laughs> or this one on your program. Dear God, if you watch in church on Sunday, I will show you my new shoes by Mickey. These prayers are so refreshing because they are honest. They are simple. The prayer can say anything to God. There's an implicit trust in these prayers that's quite beautiful. This is the kind of tone we want to have when we pray. A childlike faith. And so each week in our series, we're starting off the sermons with sample children's prayers to remind us that when we talk with God, we want to do so with the same level of intimacy, trust, and honesty that a child is to have with a parent. We've also suggested some prayer exercises for you that will be in your programs each week. And here's why. We want each person to deepen their friendship with God through this series, and that means praying more. But we teachers cannot make that happen. It's something you've got to do with God. What we do in these messages is simply be a catalyst for your own thinking. You're supposed to leave here, take that, talk about it with your friends or your growth group, and figure out how to make this work in your own life. We want you to experiment and have fun with it. Learn from others who have some great insights on how to pray. And then please give us feedback on what has worked well for you. And if you've got stories of how you find yourself talking with God more, we want to know that. Um, okay. So last week, our topic was pre-prayer, getting ready to pray. We looked at barriers we have to prayer and how to overcome those. And we talked about three beliefs we must have in order to pray. First, that God is in control. God is God, and it is, there is a God, and it is not you or me. Why pray if we've got this? Second, that God is with us, that he is here and near, even though we cannot see him. I was recently given this hand towel by a good friend. This is the perfect gift for a pastor and self-proclaimed germaphobe. It says, wash your hands and say your prayers because Jesus and germs are everywhere. <laughs> Just like you can't see germs, but they are there and washing your hands reduces them. So too, we cannot see Jesus, but he is here through his Holy Spirit. Third, God is for us. He loves us with the love of a healthy parent for a child. He doesn't always do what we want, but he is good and he is working for our good. Now this morning, we're gonna take all that one step further. Since we have a God who has made us, knows us, loves us, is with us and for us, why wouldn't we reach out to him? 
Why wouldn't we include him in conversation of what's happening to us throughout the day, the highs and the lows, what we might call continual prayer or talking with a friend? We are encouraged throughout the Bible to have this kind of ongoing relationship with God. Ephesians 6, 18 says, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, present your request to God. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray continually. But before we look at how to pray continually, we've got to ask an underlying question. Does God really speak to us today? I mean, there's no point in learning how to communicate with God if we don't really believe it's possible to begin with. Let's think about communication in general for a moment. And for these insights, I'm indebted to Dallas Willard and John Ortberg. Communication is an amazing thing we human beings can do. We take it for granted because we do it all the time. But it is essential to community, to communing. All we are doing in communication is guiding somebody else's thoughts. When someone is communicating with you, they are causing you to think certain thoughts you would not otherwise be thinking. The thoughts are in your head. They're still your thoughts and you can choose how to respond to them. But somebody else is prompting them. Now here's the thing. Because we human beings are finite creatures, we have to use finite means to guide one another's thoughts. So we make sounds and put words together. I'm doing that now. And because of that, you are having thoughts you would not otherwise have. I don't want to know if those thoughts are, wow, that's a great insight, or wow, she just lost me. But to use another form of communication, we can use symbols, and we put them on paper. And when people look at those symbols or words, it prompts certain thoughts in them. That's what we call reading. But God is infinite. He doesn't need sounds or words to communicate with us or guide our thoughts. He can use those things, but he doesn't have to. He has access to our minds. So he can guide a thought in our mind without using any other means at all. So when people talk about hearing from God, it isn't usually an audible voice they hear. God can talk in ways that prompt thoughts in our minds without him speaking out loud at all. So God is perfectly capable of speaking to us without using an audible voice. But why would he want to speak with us? It's kind of strange, but some people, while emphasizing that faith is having a personal relationship with God through Jesus, do not actually think that means talking with God on a regular basis. They seem to view it more like a transaction you have with a life insurance agent, where you talk with them once to get your affairs in order for when you die, and unless there are major changes, you don't talk with them again. Similarly, some people talk with Jesus once, ask forgiveness for their sins so they can go to heaven when they die, and then go about the rest of their lives without ever talking to him. Conversation closed. 
But that's not the kind of relationship God wants to have with us. In fact, in some of Jesus' last words before he died, he told his disciples, I no longer call you servants, for a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from the Father, I've made known to you. Friends who are to be about the Father's business. A personal relationship with Jesus means we accept his forgiveness, but it also means we seek to follow him. It means we are charged with continuing his work here on earth as it is in heaven, loving others with the same love we have received. And how could we possibly work with him if we don't talk with him? Think about your own workplace for a moment. Some of you are in big companies with thousands of employees and various departments. What happens when those departments don't communicate on a project they are doing? Since we are working with God to accomplish his objectives for the world, it necessitates he must communicate with us. And that is, in fact, my favorite definition of prayer. Talking with God about what we are doing together. Talking with God about what we are doing together. Jesus said in John 10, I call my sheep by name and lead them. My sheep know my voice and follow me. Jesus talks with us through the Holy Spirit, whom he gave us just before returning to heaven to be our guide, our comforter, our counselor. It is the Holy Spirit who puts thoughts in our minds, guiding us. To have a relationship with God that is personal in any way means that we must be open to the possibility of the Spirit of God prompting us and guiding our thoughts on a regular basis. But you may say, isn't the idea that God speaks to us a threat to the Bible's authority? It's a fair question. I hope you know by now that this is a church that believes the Bible is the final authority in life. It's one of the things I love about City Church. It's why we always look to the Bible during this teaching time and in our growth groups. We believe the Bible was uniquely written and preserved by God to be his word for us, such that even though it was written at a specific time for specific people at a specific place and language, it contains timeless principles that can guide us and show us how God wants us to live. And yet, to say that the Bible is the final authority in life is not to say that there isn't anything else God wants to say to us. As one writer put it, no communication from God will ever conflict with the Bible, but God also needs to say a lot of things to us that aren't in the Bible. Which house do you buy? Which job do you take? How do you care for aging parents? How do you choose a church? How do you raise children? To be sure the Bible has some guidance and timeless principles to help us with those decisions, but it was never intended to address all those questions. It couldn't possibly. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, we need to be cautious anytime we think we are hearing from God. And of course, sadly, some Christians have abused this. 
I'm not advocating we listen to everyone who claims to have heard a word from the Lord. We've got the Bible and the community as some checks. But just because hearing from God is an area we need to guard carefully does not mean we should dismiss the idea entirely. God intends to speak intimately and regularly with his children, with his friends. So, if we know God can, and in fact will speak to us, how then could we have an ongoing communication with God? Well, like all communication, we do so by talking with him and by listening to him. Let's look at each one of those now. First, communication with God involves talking with him. If we want to talk with God, we start where we are, with our need, our hurt, our anger, our joy, our gratitude, our fear, starting where our hearts actually are rather than where we think they should be is the way into prayer. I said this last week, but it bears repeating. You only need two phrases to start praying, help and thank you. Every prayer is some variation of that. John will say more about this next week when we talk about honest prayer. One misconception many people have about prayer is that it's angel talk. It's nice flowery language. The truth is we're encouraged to bring all of our emotions the good, the bad, and the ugly, to God in prayer. Many of you know that the book of Psalms is our prayer book. It's a collection of prayers God's people have prayed for centuries. And what's so wonderful about the Psalms is that they are, as John Calvin said, an anatomy of the soul. They express every vicissitude of the human emotion. Pain, joy, grief, gratitude, Doubt, faith. Help, thanks. But the gift of the Psalms is not just that we can relate to the emotion expressed. The Psalms are not just describing how we feel. They gather up all those feelings and they give them over to the God who is alive and well and on the throne. The Psalms are not meant to be read. They are meant to be prayed. Fourth century Theologian Athanasius famously said, most of scripture speaks to us. The Psalms speak for us. They are in our Bibles so that we might learn how to pray to God. It's certainly been my experience that if you pray the Psalms regularly, it will transform your prayer life. You will be surprised what you find there, I'm telling you. With 150 Psalms, you can pray through all the Psalms in one month, 30 days, if you pray five a day. So Psalms 1 to 5 on the first day of the month, Psalms 6 to 10 on the second day of the month, and so on. I have them numbered in my Bible, because I don't do this every day and I skip some days, so that when it's the 15th of the month, let's say, I know that I need to pray Psalm 71 to 75. Now you don't have to do five in a day, you could do one a day. But over time, as we expose ourselves to these prayers, we are being formed in how to pray even if the psalm we're praying doesn't fit our mood that day, we learn to pray about that particular challenge and we can draw on that at a future time. 
Recently, I was talking with a woman who was going through an excruciating time at work. And it's all because a coworker of hers is spreading lies about her that are very damaging. She confessed to me, I feel so guilty. I just want this other person to be shown for what she is. And I, I said, you don't need to feel guilty about that. That's how you're supposed to pray. That's how the Psalms teach us to pray. Vindicate me, God. Don't let the evildoer go unpunished. If my friend asks God to vindicate her, she will resist the temptation to take vengeance herself. She will let God be the judge. So one way I want to encourage us to talk with God is by using the Psalms as our guide. If the whole book seems overwhelming, just focus on one or two, maybe one help song and one thank you psalm. Psalm 3 is a great help prayer. Oh Lord, how many are my foes? How many rage against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, O Lord, are shield around me, the glory and the lifter of my head. Psalm 124 is a great thank you prayer. And often I like the new, the NIV for Psalms, but on this one, I like the paraphrase of the message. If God hadn't been for us, all together now, Israel, sing out. If God hadn't been for us when everyone went against us, we would have been swallowed alive by their violent anger, swept away by the flood of rage, drowned in the torrent. Oh, blessed be God. He didn't go off and leave us. He didn't abandon us defenseless. We're free as a bird in flight. God's strong name is our help, the same God who made heaven and earth. If a whole psalm is too much, just focus on one phrase. Have those in your back pocket for whenever the need arises. Psalm 121, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Psalm 146, I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. Blessed are those whose hope is the Lord their God. We can talk with God by using the Psalms as our guide. But we can also talk with God by using ordinary events of our lives as a catalyst for prayer. This is what is sometimes referred to as practicing the presence of God, based on the writings of a 17th century monk, Brother Lawrence. All it means is going about your ordinary day and inviting God into whatever you are doing. We silently ask God to make us attentive to him in every action we perform. For example, we may pause before answering the phone at work and say, Lord, help me to truly listen. Now that takes three to five seconds, but it may drastically change our response. Or we change yet another diaper and we are struck by the mystery of the incarnation. And so we say in our heads while performing this unpleasant task, thank you, Jesus, that you came to earth as a helpless baby so that we would know your love. 
maybe in a battle of wills with our toddler, we will want to pray, Lord, help me be more submissive to your will for me. One woman here makes it a habit of praying at every stoplight, thanking God for something or lifting up a need. In all of these cases, whatever routine action you are doing, you are now doing it with God. And that makes it a holy moment, regardless of what you're doing. The possibilities are endless and there are more suggested in your prayer exercises, but I want to encourage you, pick one and try it this week. And hopefully over time, you will be able to say along with little Elliot, dear God, I think about you sometimes, even when I'm not praying. You know, it's a funny thing. The more we pray, the more we will think to pray to where talking with God like this becomes the natural thing to do. And it's actually more awkward not to do it. But talking with God isn't just about listening to him. Communication with God involves, isn't just about talking to him, it's about listening to him as well. So how do we listen to God? There's an interesting story in 1 Samuel 3 about an experience Samuel, Israel's priest, had when he was a little boy. He's in the temple along with the current priest, his mentor, Eli. It's the middle of the night. Both of them are sleeping. Until Samuel hears a voice calling his name. Samuel, Samuel. Assuming it's Eli, he runs over to bed and says, yes, what is it? And Eli says, I didn't say anything. Go back to bed. Lord, help my children when they wake me up in the middle of the night. I love my sleep. Anyway, so this happens two more times before finally Eli realizes This must be God talking to him. You know, priests and pastors are sometimes slow on the uptake. So he tells Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. One of the insights we can take from this story is that learning to hear God's voice is a process. We don't necessarily recognize it the first time. We must learn to listen to God's voice. But over time, as we ask him to speak to us and wait for his response, we will come to recognize a certain quality, content, and tone to his words. And we'll be able to distinguish them from our own. Sometimes God tells us not audibly, but by guiding our thoughts, to help someone who's in need, to give them a call or pray for him, or help in a tangible way. Sometimes God guides our thoughts so we know a direction we should go with a paper or a project at work or a decision that needs to be made. Sometimes God simply tells us by putting the thought in our heads that he is pleased with us, that he loves us. We can come to know the characteristic quality, content, and spirit of God's voice, but it takes time. And he has given us the helpful formula of Bible plus community to help with that. Whenever we think God is speaking to us, we should always check the message with the Bible and those around us who know us. I have found it helpful, especially in the last few weeks, just to say the thought out loud. Sometimes it's amazing, but when you hear the thought out loud, you can immediately recognize that is not something God would say. That is not the tone he would say it in because there are plenty of other competing voices in our heads too. We must give him the opportunity to speak 
either through silence or through the ordinary moments of our days. And we must be willing to respond and obey. Why would he keep telling us things if we never do what he asks us to do? The more we respond to the promptings God gives us, the more we will seem to have. City Church, God wants an ongoing relationship with each one of us. Whereas our friend, we can tell him anything we're struggling with and not worry about how he will respond. And whereas his coworker, we are talking with him about the good work we are doing together, bringing justice to the oppressed, healing to the brokenhearted, living water to the thirsty. A relationship where we actually pause to listen to his voice guiding our thoughts about how he wants us to live in our workplace, in our homes, with our families, in our neighborhoods. I wonder what might happen this week if we were to listen to what he has to say to us. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Let's pray. What a great gift and privilege, God, that it's not a one-time transaction with you. You're not interested in that. You want ongoing relationship despite our flaws, our lack of trust, our emotions, which are all over the place at times, and our circumstances, which feel out of control. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Would you help us, Holy Spirit, this week to include you in our lives, in what's going on, and to listen to you, to how you want us to do your work in the little sphere you've placed us in this week. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.